Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. In this episode, we review The Accountant and 13th. You're different. Sooner or later, different scares people. Yeah. You think if you don't fight back, then maybe they'll like you, stop picking on you, calling you a freak. Victim or not, make a decision. Your son is a remarkable young man. It wouldn't surprise me if he has more in common with Einstein, Mozart, and Picasso than he does with us. has highly advanced cognitive skills. The obsessive personality. Can our son lead a normal life? Define normal. Maybe he's capable of much more than we know. All right, everybody, so The Accountant is about Christian Wolf, played by Ben Affleck. He is a mathematics savant with more affinity for numbers than people. Using a small-town CPA office as a cover, he makes his living as a freelance accountant for dangerous criminal organizations. With a treasury agent, played by J.K. Simmons, hot on his heels, Christian takes on a state-of-the-art robotics company as a legitimate client. As Wolf gets closer to the truth about a discrepancy that involves millions of dollars, the body count starts to rise. The film stars Ben Affleck, Anna Kendrick, J.K. Simmons, John Birdfall, Jeffrey Tambor, and John Lifgow. Joining me today for this review, we've got Michael Schwartz. Hey, everyone. And for the first time here on the Next Best Picture podcast, we have somebody that you may have seen around the site who has contributed a couple of written reviews for us. His name is Mike also, but we're going to just refer to him as Mike and we're going to call him Michael. Michael. This is Mike Vermette. Hey, how's it going, guys? So, Mike, really, really glad that you can finally be with us on a show here today. You are the one that provided the review of The Accountant for the site. So, let's start it off with you, man. What did you think of The Accountant? Yeah, so I actually liked this movie a lot more than I thought that I would going into it. Um, I was a little shocked to see the really negative feedback on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I was going into it a little skeptical um, and I went in and... You know, it really is a film, and as I wrote my review, that's kind of at war with itself. Like, it doesn't know if it wants to be, um, like, a serious look at autism and, like, somebody dealing with high-functioning autism and trying to survive in the real world, or if it wants to be, like, a hard-edged, like, thriller kind of closer to John Wick. Um, I don't think it ever really marries those two opinions, but it is a cool film, and I think that, like, anyone who knows someone with autism can definitely see shades of like that person they know in this character christian wolf 
Alrighty, and Michael? Yeah, going off of that, I mean, I walked into this, to this film not knowing what to expect, really. The trailers were really very vague about how you go from an autistic accountant to this action thriller, and I'm not sure that it all totally works, but in the moment I found it to be very entertaining, and I think Ben Affleck gives a really great performance here, the way that he plays this character. There's some very interesting work being done. Uh, I like the supporting cast to see people like Jeffrey Tambor and John Lithgow pop up here and there. So it's definitely not a perfect film. It gets really ridiculous towards the end, and that starts to take you out of it. But for just two hours, a non-awards player, it was uh, very entertaining for what it was. I was very underwhelmed by this movie. Not in the sense of, like, like last week's The Girl on the Train, where I just thought the movie was trashy, but this film was more of, it, it, it moves well, it's got a good pace, but there's um, just, it just feels so by the numbers, like been there, done that. The spin on it with the lead character uh, suffering from autism and how he's trying to function and survive in the real world with this condition, and yet still also be a highly trained um uh, like pr pretty much just badass i found it so unbelievable and so laughable that towards the end i think the film does finally start to embrace uh, some of its silliness there there's a moment at the end with the john lithgow character that is one of the funniest laugh out loud moments i've had in a movie theater all year and i don't know if it was intentional Oh, I think it totally was. In, in my opinion, it was. Um, because my audience just erupted in laughter in that moment. But there is such a cheesiness that follows this entire film from beginning to end that you're just rolling your eyes, especially towards um, the, the final act where there's not one, not two, but three major plot twists. I, I, I started to think that the film was going a, a little too far and as a result i myself had to kind of scale back my grade of it i i do agree though that i think ben affleck is decent in this i don't think he's great i think that he's decent i like the reserved nature and the lack of eye contact he makes with people the um slow yet quiet manner in which he speaks i i really dug it I, I truthfully did. I, I'm I'm a little less. Uh, I don't know. What would you guys think of like J.K. Simmons, for example? He came in and did his thing. Like it wasn't anything that we haven't seen before. But but isn't that the thing here? Isn't that like what the overall problem is? Is that this film is kind of it's just there. There's nothing really special about it. It's like one of those John Grisham novels that you would see back in the '90s turned into film. Like something that feels like 20 years ago. It is sort of refreshing to see something a little old-fashioned that's not great, but it's not terrible either, just sort of middle of the road. I mean, a lot of general audiences tend to eat that up, and it was nice to just see a movie with people who wanted nothing more than a solid piece of entertainment that wasn't a Marvel movie. Yeah, I mean, the audience I saw it with was totally engaged. I mean, they were in it from the jump. I mean, they were laughing at all of Ben Affleck's like weird quirks and like how he couldn't speak to really Anna Kendrick. Um, you know, in any way, but like this bizarre uh, awkwardness. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the audience that I saw it with definitely enjoyed it, and I mean, they all clapped it out at the end. 
So I think it does play well with like general audiences, and it's definitely not an awards film, but you know, it's a good piece of like entertainment to see on a weekend. I think I'm gonna piss off Michael right now. Uh, I I do not like Anna Kendrick. Like in anything. Why? I think that she just is so miscast in almost every film I tend to see her in. Uh, the only times I've really liked her was in Up in the Air and Into the Woods. Well, she's fantastic in them. Yeah, I, yes, and I haven't seen Pitch Perfect. Well, Pitch Perfect is just fantastic entertainment. And I mean, it, it's only see it if you know it's going to be your thing because it's like a very particular type of film. Back in 2003, when I first noticed her, she was in a movie called Camp, that uh, small little indie movie about a summer camp for uh, teens in the performing arts, and it's like Broadway-bound teenagers, and she plays this like ruthless diva who comes on stage and does a rendition of uh, Stephen Sondheim's Ladies Who Lunch from the musical company. That is just fantastic. The whole scene's on YouTube, and it's just worth watching for her, because she's like, maybe... 15 or 16, but she's playing a 50-something boozy alcoholic, and it's fantastic. Well, I'm glad that you like Anna Kendrick. Did you think that she was fine in this film? You know what? When I first saw the trailer with this, I saw it with Money Monster back in May, and, uh, you know, it was already setting itself up to be this thriller, like I said, one of those John Grisham-esque films. So when I saw her name in it, I automatically associate her with musicals now after Pitch Perfect, Camp, and Into the Woods. Then when I see her there, I'm like, oh, that doesn't seem right. She seems miscast here. So I went in to the film under that same impression, but was surprised how she didn't feel out of place. I wouldn't say like it was perfect marriage of actor and character, but I felt she was fine for what the role was, and it didn't really seem like she was struggling under it. I didn't find myself distracted. Mm. I'm the I'm the exact opposite. I did feel that she was out of place, in my opinion. I actually thought she was pretty good. I like Anna Kendrick personally, um, but I think that her and J.K. Simmons were just kind of playing themselves more or less. Um, I think this is like the character that J.K. Simmons has become, and I kind of feel the same way with Anna Kendrick. I think in you know a lot of the movies where she's not doing a musical, which I do think is one of her stronger suits. Uh, I also love Camp. That she just kind of plays this same you know, quiet, kind of reserved, um, like, nice girl. And I think she was just kind of playing herself, kind of, and I think she was fine. I, I, I just didn't feel that this movie, I don't feel that it ever clicked. I, I think for general audiences, it does strike a chord where they can really get behind the lead character. But for somebody that wants a little bit more out of uh, cinema when they go to the movies, I, I didn't feel that this film offered me anything particularly special it's like i said before it's really cool to see ben affleck kind of playing a badass and when the guns start firing there are a couple moments that made me go whoa man you know i wasn't expecting him to be as lethal as he was um what do you think about its commentary though on children with autism and you know being high functioning within society uh leaving leading a normal life what did you guys think of the film's commentary on that I actually thought like it was really well done. I thought um, it would be really cool for an autistic kid to kind of see this movie because Ben Affleck is, in my opinion, like an autistic superhero. He's this guy who's like super confident and super capable of killing and stopping anyone. Um, and I think a lot of autistic kids could really see that and you know appreciate that, resonate with them. 
Michael? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it really has a lot to contribute to a conversation, but maybe somebody who is autistic watching this movie might be able to get something out of it, which is fantastic if that does happen. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, when you say that it doesn't really come together, yeah, I mean, I do agree with that. It's not a great filmmaking by any means, but just entertaining and the way that he plays the role to watch that play out, it, it's fine. I, I just think what it is is I, I, I might have too high of expectations for a Gavin O'Connor film, mostly because Warrior was one of my favorite films of 2011. I saw Warrior, and I don't remember a single thing about it. You, that's That cannot possibly be true. You can't tell me you don't remember Nick Nolte's performance. I remember him at the Oscars looking like he had just shown up off the street, and I really don't remember much of it. You don't remember the ending and the emotion of that final that final fight? I couldn't tell you a single thing. Yeah. Oh, oh my I'm, God. I'm sure I saw it, but if you were to show me it again, it would probably be a new experience for me. Well, what's your fondest Gavin O'Connor film then? Honestly, I mean, Tumbleweeds is fine, but none of them really stick out to me as something I would go and say is great. All right, and Vermette? I really like Warrior. I mean, that was definitely one of my favorite films of uh, 2011. I thought that performance was great. I thought he got, like, amazing performances out of the actors. And that's you know, not a movie you would expect to mine a lot of depth out of. Like a you know, UFC fight film. Um, but I thought he did a great job with that. And I thought this was a little more disappointing having come off of that. Yeah. I mean, did, you, did anybody here see Jane Got a Gun earlier this year? Nope. I did. That was pretty much in a train wreck from beginning to end. So, I mean, that was, this is definitely a lot better than that was. Uh, agreed. Very much so. I still don't think this reaches any new heights for him as a director, but at least it is a nice bit of a rebound from how dismally bad that film was. All right, let's go over to final thoughts and grades here. Uh, Mike, you're the guest. Let's start off with you. What are your final thoughts on The Accountant, and what grade would you give it? I thought The Accountant was you know, really pretty well done. Um, I think it's a fun film that a lot of general audiences will enjoy, and I, I think it's you know, it's an engaging film. I don't think there was ever a point where I was like, oh, man, I want to walk out. I really don't like this. I liked it pretty much throughout the entire thing. Ben Affleck's performance is great. And I think all the supporting cast is great as well. Um, yeah, I'd stick with the review grade that I gave it at a 5 out of 10. Okie dokie. And Michael? Again, this is totally fine. I saw someone on Twitter describe it as Rain Man with Karate. <laughs> so, if that sounds like something that might interest you, it probably will. It has enough twists to make your head spin. Especially one at the end with uh, John Bernthal, which... It's just preposterous, but you sort of go with it as the film starts to go with it, too. And uh, one last thing I will say about it, it's really well shot. I think it was Seamus McGarvey that did the cinematography, mm -hmm. and he shot it on film, which was uh, didn't really add a whole lot, except it was just sort of, again, refreshing to look at and see something that uh, used to be common and now is just pops up every once in a while, so that was nice to see. As for score, I think I'm going to settle on Somewhere between a six and a six and a half. It's fine. Don't rush out to see it. If you miss it, you'll be okay. And it'll be on TNT one day, three years from now, and you'll see it then. Yeah, I'm definitely a little neg more negative on this film than you guys are. I enjoyed the film for what it was for the most part. 
there are a couple of moments, like I was saying, towards the end where things just start getting, whoa, daddy. Uh, I mean, really, really, really started to kind of piss me off with how much the film was trying to um, outsmart its audience, which is not possible because the plot twists, some of them, I would say at least two, you could see coming a mile away. So... I think Ben Affleck is totally fine here, which is a far cry from what I would have said about him possibly even 10 years ago. And I think that the supporting cast, you know, I think I would like to have seen more of Jeffrey Tambor. I would like to have seen more of John Lithgow. J.K. Simmons is totally fine in this, but it just nothing, like I said, in this film ever seems to really click for me. But I can totally see how like you guys were saying, general audiences will definitely gravitate towards this film. They certainly did in my theater. The theater was, it seemed like they were enjoying themselves. I mean, when the movie ended, I got this sense, although it didn't happen, I got this sense that people actually wanted to clap. So make of that what you will. With that said, I'm going to have to give The Accountant a 4 out of 10. It's a standard action movie that, to me... It tries to do a little bit more with its lead character that's somewhat interesting, but it never really it never really seems to get there. So I can't believe I'm the highest on this out of everyone, eh. and I didn't even love it that much. Not what, not, has been the first time. Remember our Sully review? Yes. Well, as Michelle Obama said, when they go low, you go high. Oh, jeez. All righty. Let's move on to our second review of the podcast here. This is Ava DuVernay's documentary, which made its debut at the New York Film Festival and is now currently streaming on Netflix. This here is Dirtteeth. One out of four human beings with their hands on bars, shackled in the world, are locked up here in the land of the free. Khalif Browder was walking home from a party when he was stopped by police. They said, we're going to take you to the precinct, and most likely we're going to let you go home. And then I never went home. The 13th Amendment to the Constitution makes it unconstitutional for someone to be held as a slave. There are exceptions, including criminals. The loophole was immediately exploited. What you got after that was a rapid transition to a mythology of black criminality. So 13th is Ava DuVernay's in-depth look at the prison system in the United States and how it reveals the nation's history of racial inequality. There are a number of people that she interviews throughout the film, ranging from Angela Davis to Common. Uh, There are some PhDs, uh, some historians, there are real life subject, uh, you know, people that were involved in events in the past. I mean, there's a lot of information that is crammed into this very compact hour and 40 minute documentary here. I want to first pass it off to our guest here, and that is Mike Vermette. Mike, what did you think of 13th? Okay, yeah, so 13th is a documentary that I really knew nothing about. I had seen Selma, I really liked Selma, and I saw awesome reviews uh, for 13th, including the one on you know, Nesbeck's picture, um, but I honestly didn't get all that much out of it. I enjoyed it for what it was, I thought it was really interesting. I thought it had a lot to say. I don't agree with all of its 
politics, uh, but I thought it was a really well-made documentary film. I think the use of like f- um, footage clips, pictures, music, I thought that was all really well done and you know really cool. I thought it was just a really well-made documentary. Alrighty, and Michael, I've been waiting to hear your thoughts on this. Yes, I think Ava DuVernay is one of the great filmmakers working right now. I think yes. Selma is an absolute masterpiece. I discovered her when I saw Middle of Nowhere four years ago in one of the few theaters in the country that was even showing it. Like, it was really rare to find any place that was showing the movie. So after that, I just looked up Ava's work, uh, found out more about her career, actually got in contact with her over social media, and just have loved watching her career flourish and become what it is now. So uh, this was actually a surprise documentary when it was announced for the New York Film Festival. Most people didn't even know it existed. So I did do a little reading before I saw it, heard Matt's review, and watched it last week, and came to the the conclusion that this is an important, ambitious, impeccably edited, of-the-moment piece of work. The detail in it is incredible. The message it sends is vital. But that said... I did feel that as important as it was, some of it was a bit too scholarly. And in the 100-minute running time, it's such a broad subject that I feel like it bit off a little bit more than it could chew. But those minor, minor criticisms aside, I recommend that everyone seek this out just for what it has to say, even if I don't necessarily think the filmmaking... or I don't even want to criticize the filmmaking because I think she does a stellar job with it. But the way that it's handled it seems a little too slight for a subject that is big. So that's where I am with it. As you guys both alluded to, you guys talked about my review of this film on Next Best Picture. It's been pretty heavily documented by everybody that knows me that this film has the rare distinction of receiving a 10 out of 10 from me which I do not give often. I give that rating to maybe one, two films a year. I don't even know if I've ever ever had a year where I've given it to three. I have to probably really, really go back and try very, very hard to remember. But to put this into context here, a, a, a year like 2007, where No Country for All Men and There Will Be Blood both come out, those are two 10 out of 10 movies. Um, another year would be Whiplash and Boyhood. Whiplash. Yeah, I love Whiplash. I mean, I absolutely love that movie. Okay. And then last year, Mad Max Fury Road was the only movie to get a, get a 10 out of 10 from me. So I don't give out this rating often, and I, I'm spoiling my final grade of the film. This is a 10 out of 10 movie for me. This is, in my opinion, a perfect documentary, mostly because there is so much footage there is so much that she comments on in terms of the history that this could have been a seven hour documentary easily and i think it could have benefited from that could it could it have though because i'm one of those people that does not prefer the very super long documentaries i i do like when they move at a quick and paced uh so that's what this film here does. It moves. But did you feel like you were able to get everything out of it? Absolutely. 
And anything really? else that I that was lingering, that's the call to action part of it that she is hoping that people walk away from this film feeling that you yourself will go out, do some research, become part of the movement, and then also try to elicit change as well. Can't give you everything, man. <laughs> well, you know, I just saw OJ Made in America a few months ago, and there is a seven-hour documentary. So the not just the OJ trial, but really his entire life. And I think I may have been spoiled by the detail given in that film. So maybe I was looking for something a little bit more after just seeing that. Yeah, I mean, I I liked it. Um, I definitely did not love it as much as you guys did. Um, I really didn't feel like I got that much out of it. I knew pretty much most of the facts that she presented Like going in. I kind of knew just from living in this world. Um, but I think it is a cool counterpoint to Luke Cage that was released last week on Netflix. I think they both deal with similar black rights issues, and um, I think it's just a cool like companion piece to that. Something that's a little more pop-oriented, this real-life documentary. See, in many ways, I, I, I agree with both of you that it works as a companion piece to Luke Cage. It works as a companion piece even to the O.J. Simpson documentary Made in America this is a film of the moment and when you talked about earlier uh michael about how it's uh vital viewing it really is uh, you know there's stuff in this documentary that i, I yes uh, you know uh, vermette to your point i did know about it just from existing in this world but then there were some things that i had no idea about like did you guys know about alec i, I had heard of it through the john oliver thing a couple years ago but I liked that they reintroduced it because it's really important. Yeah, you know, and the decision-making process and how you see the influence that they've had on uh, lawmaking throughout the years and how much that influences the system, it, it just really, really startled me and really got me feeling angry. You know, one thing I tweeted out to Ava on social media after I had seen the film was that the movie managed to enthrall, educate, and anger me all at once, which is something that I feel that not all documentaries, but if that's what you're trying to go for is um, an educational uh, documentary of some sort, I really do feel there should be um, a wide array of emotions that you should experience while watching it. And I think that she totally succeeds in bringing that to the screen here. And you talk about a wide array she does not shy away from showing both presidential candidates in a negative light. No, not at all. Absolutely. Even as a huge Hillary supporter, as somebody who even does work for her campaign, there is stuff when you're telling a story like this, stuff under the uh, Bill Clinton presidency, that's worth bringing up. I think it may, in my personal opinion here, use more of a overly critical eye when looking at it. I think there is more of a context that... Uh, needs to be talked about when discussing those policies, like why they came to be in the first place. But I think it's important that they were included. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I was like shocked that um, we did see both sides, and I really did like that they kind of painted both candidates kind of in an equal light. Right. And personally, like I say, I just hope that people take the time to go back and look at the time that they were introduced because you see this stuff with Donald Trump also, like really of the moment stuff with uh, 
him saying, we're going to make America great again, the good old days. And there's this really powerful sequence that cuts back to uh, suppression back in the 60s. Oh, when they're pushing that man and he's trying yeah. to just walk away from and then them it, all? Yeah, then it cuts back to uh, some of his rallies, the violence that broke out this year. I mean, that's a very powerful scene to watch. So some of it's within context, some of it without. I hope people are able to differentiate between the two. You know, I'm one of those people that does not take my personal views into account when I watch a film like this. I try to just look at it objectively as a film. You know, how is Ava DuVernay utilizing the camera to film her subjects? How is she using animated sequence to, for the transitions, the use of music, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think from that aspect, I mean, you look at just the way she chooses to shoot her interview subjects. I mean, you see so many documentaries where it's just so bland and it's just like very boring. It's just the subject in front of a background and uh, this part of the frame and here you go. Ava tries to frame everybody in a very unique manner that helps give the film a kinetic energy to it that I really appreciated a lot. Yeah, that was uh, really interesting, the way that she had somebody like Angela Davis against, it looked a, a very long room, but like a big, I don't even know how you would go about explaining it. Like it was a big backdrop, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally understand what you mean. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that was very neat. And then you have uh, Newt Gingrich coming up, who I was very surprised to see there. He was like on a sofa in an office building somewhere. Yeah, I mean, aesthetically, this movie was was great. I mean, like I said, I thought, you know, even all the editing was fantastic across the board. Um, the way she used like the music to use them as quotes to showcase everything that was going on. I mean, aesthetically, from a documentary point of view, keeping politics and you know, all that stuff out of it, it's it's fantastic. The flashes of criminal on the screen every time somebody says the word criminal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I thought some of that was a little much, but I get why it was there. What do you guys think about the stories that she chose to tell? Because obviously there's thousands of stories that you could use to highlight the framework of the film. Uh, but there were a couple that she chose to specifically touch upon. Uh, you know, for example, uh, the most recent uh, uh, Trayvon Martin case. Oh, well, she goes more recent than that. She has stuff that happened this year, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just using it as an example. I, I was actually quite shocked at how recent some of the events were. Um, so much so that I just, I was like, I was like, man, did they just like wrap up this film like last month or something? You know, that, that that's how recent it felt to me. Yeah, I mean, and that stuff is, uh, I mean, it really sends a message at the end to not just hear about those tragedies, but see them play out. I mean, that's enough to make you want to take action right after. So I'm definitely in support of what this film is preaching. And so let me ask you guys this question then. Do you think that this is a film, obviously it's a film of the moment, but do you think this is a film that 10 years from now is going to be as important as, as it feels today? Let's see where we are 10 years from now. I mean, like you say, it seems like it was just wrapped up last month and we are in such a turning point in society right now. I mean, we have an election in just about three weeks that might determine the next 40 years of this country. So let's see where we are 10 years from now and see if this holds up or if it's just like a s snapshot of what life was like back in 2016. It could be the same. It could be a whole lot better or it could be a whole lot worse, but let's not even think about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to kind of echo Michael's opinion. Um, 
you know, it's, it's funny because people may look back on this film and be like, this is what 2016 was like. And, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, this may not even be an issue anymore. And hopefully that is the case. Hopefully, you know, that racism, that hatred that these people feel like is gone and, um, you know, everyone's a little happier. And hopefully this is just looks at a snapshot like of a time gone by. I just found it so interesting to like, so somebody that is white in this country does not understand where the African-American community is coming from and the struggles that they've had to face. You know, as you grow up and you have this terrible perception that the media spins on how African-Americans are labeled as criminals, you know, and you see how they're depicted then in films, you see how they're depicted in television, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not saying that I hold any racist beliefs or anything like that at all. But what I am saying is that I can totally see the inner workings of the message of this film and how it subconsciously affected myself even. You know, it's unbelievable to see how 150 years this system this loophole in the 13th Amendment and how, as a criminal, you lose your rights and you essentially are, you know, I guess you could say uh, one step away from being considered a slave again and how we as a society have used that time and time and time again and and it's evolved throughout the years to what it is today. It, It shocks the hell out of me to have that light shined upon because I always knew that there was a reason why African-Americans were always singled out by the police or by the court system or by just really anything to do with the system. I just never knew why. I always knew that it was there, but I never knew why. And now I feel like I know why. I may not know it in great detail, but I got the broad general overview, and that was all that I needed to understand the problem, because I do believe that what Ava DuVernay is trying to do here is she wants us to understand the problem before we can attempt to solve the problem. I just want to say real quick that that you know, loophole that you talk about, she talks about you know plenty in the film, it's unfortunate that she uses that as like a to be against African Americans because that, you know, loophole as she calls it, is for everybody. I mean, anybody can go to prison. You know, if you do something bad, you're going to go to prison. It really doesn't revert anybody back to slavery. I mean, every country in the world has some kind of prison system, so it's not really so much as a loophole, just as you know, a way of ensuring that people who do do bad things can go to prison. Well, let's all, let's all take a step back and let's also remember that this is an issue movie, so there is an agenda, obviously, to be pushed with this. Um, there is talk uh, a couple of times about not just African Americans, but Latinos as well, and how uh, the same um, the same loophole, as as we're calling it, uh, affects them here. And as somebody himself who's had a altercation uh, with the law in the past as well. I, I could totally see how if things had turned south for me, how this could impact my life and take away certain liberties um, that 
are afforded to us as Americans at the end of the day here. I, I can totally see how the system is designed to follow you throughout the rest of your life. It's not enough that you simply serve your time and then you get out and it's like, oh, okay, thank you. You know, it's not that easy, unfortunately. It's a very, very complex system. Uh, you, you guys, did you guys both see The Night Of on HBO? Yep. Yep. That was a great, great way of illustrating just how the system, uh, even if you did not actually commit a crime, the system can inevitably break you down and change you and forever alter your life. And that's exactly what I think Ava DuVernay is getting at here when she's talking about all these helpless young men that are forced to take plea deals because their families are too poor to actually afford to go to trial. And they also just don't want to risk it with the mandatory minimum sentencing that's in place because, you know, wrongful so many times people have wrongfully been put to jail for nothing, absolutely nothing. And who wants to risk that? You know, I wouldn't say that this film was, I mean, I did learn a lot from it, but a lot of the details, I did know some stuff going in, like from watching MSNBC and Rachel Maddow, a lot of, like, I'm addicted to some of the news stuff. So to see it explained in better detail is what really got to me at the end of it. And then Ava DuVernay's decision at the very, very end uh, to use the ending credits as a moment not to be so dour as the previous uh, hour and 40 minutes has been but to actually give off this sense of hope because there have been moments all throughout that have shown uh, perseverance and have also shown uh, glimmers that there is a chance yeah with that said uh, let's toss it off to final thoughts and grades here Mike Vermette what would be your final grade and your final thoughts on 13th. Yeah, I mean, I think um, from when we started reviewing this, I've been the most down on the documentary. Um, I really did like it. I think it is incredibly well done and well made and one of the best documentaries I've seen, especially in a long time. Um, This is coming from someone that likes documentaries and I thought it was just really well made and the craftsmanship and the artsmanship is awesome. Some of the the politics and, you know, the cases and the points that she makes, I get a little iffy about. Um, but I think overall it's really well done and it's definitely worth watching for everyone. I think it should be required viewing for everyone. And you, you know, everyone's free to make their own opinions on it. Um, yeah, I'd give it a 7 out of 10. And Michael. I'm also going to go with a 7 out of 10, but I'm a little bit more positive than my other 7 out of 10 ratings just because the content here. I think it's so important that everybody, regardless of their political affiliation, should go check this out because it really presents some ideas that need to be discussed. And also, while we're on it, if you want change to happen in this country, make your voice heard and go vote on November 8th because there is so much at stake here over the next 40 years of this country that if you want to take action after watching 13th, make sure that action happens and hold the leaders accountable for it. November 28th, you mean, right? Uh, November 28th, if you're voting for a certain candidate. But right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Everyone just go vote November 8th and make your voice heard. It's really so important. Well, for me, you guys already know my views on this film. I think that this is the best documentary I've seen quite possibly in the last five years easily. 
I hold this film very near and dear to my heart. And I thought that its message is well told and extremely powerful. It's heartbreaking in points. It's uplifting in moments. It educates. And as I said before, it totally captivates you from the first moment all the way until the end. I've seen it twice already. I'm actually going to be watching it a third time with my roommate and his girlfriend, I hope very, very soon. And I can't stress enough how much I urge people to watch it. I urge you to educate yourself and I urge you to take that action just as Michael was illustrating before. 13th gets a perfect 10 out of 10. Book it, people. Boom. With that said, this here has been the Next Best Picture podcast with reviews of The Accountant and 13th. Before we go, Mike Vermette, do you have any final thoughts and anything else in general that you wish to share with us? And where can we find you on Twitter? Um, I just want to say thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, vampdt89. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for this year's Oscar race. Just can't wait to get really deep into that. Uh, speaking of which, in that case, are we all in agreement that best documentary, best documentary is signed, sealed, and delivered for 13th? Absolutely. There's there's nothing else I think that's going to come out that's going to even come close. I think it'll be nominated and it can win, but I'm not 100% ready to lock it yet. I, I truthfully believe that this is the makeup award for Selma in many, many ways. I, I think that it's got this. Well, you remember there's also OJ Made in America, which has been doing a lot of events and is also another really detailed... Nobody's going to sit through that film when they can watch this in an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, don't be so sure because that is really having some big events where they're doing p- panels in the middle and uh, Q&As, different things going on. You could watch it in different parts, which uh, might benefit it. We'll see. There's another one this year. Uh, I don't know that it's, it's not going to win just because of stuff that's been going on in his personal life. But another one of my favorite documentaries of 2016 is Wiener, the Anthony Wiener documentary. Which I enjoyed. That has taken a turn since the film came out. But I think it's uh, the most interesting political documentary I've seen in many, many years. As someone who follows the media and just politics in general, I found it fascinating. Especially since I remember seeing his story happen. But uh, we're not talking about Wiener right now. We're talking about the 13th and the Oscars. I definitely can see it winning. I would love to be able to see Oscar winner Ava DuVernay. But uh, I'm going to wait a little bit and see what happens. I think the only other uh, documentary that I think maybe, besides OJ, that has a chance is the uh, Hamilton documentary. Is that eligible? I thought that was PBS. It is. That's not. doesn't mean it's not eligible. Because it's been showing in theaters. Has it? Yeah, they've been doing like film festivals and stuff. Oh, I'll have to look into that. See, now, I actually was one of those people that thought that Gleason probably was the next uh, runner-up, actually. Have any of you seen that movie yet? I I know of it. I have not seen it. Yeah, I've not There's seen that. It There's a Life Animated, which I hear is quite good, about an autistic child who uses uh, Disney movies to interact with the world. That's pretty cool. So there's some stuff out there. I'm uh, not ready to call it a done race just yet. Alrighty. And Michael? Throwing it right back at you. Anything else you want to comment on, and where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, no, I think I've done a good enough job of talking about my thoughts about the film, and you can find me on Twitter at Mike Movie. Alrighty, and with that said, you can find me on Twitter at Next Best Picture. 
please be sure to check us out on nextbestpicture.com with our full written reviews of The Accountant and Thirteen. I am Matt Negri, and I will see you all next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.